Hello, and welcome back to Stories RPG, the podcast where we tell stories better together. And on that note, I am joined together today by Dan from Almost Bedtime Theater, who is a storyteller in his own right and a creator, and he makes games and he tells stories, and I'll let him tell you a little bit more about himself. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, yeah, my name is Dan Bronson Lowe. Um, I have been trying to tell stories, learning to tell stories, as about as long as I can remember. Some of my earliest memories are tied into uh trying to type things out on the typewriter and, and make my books. Typewriter. Um, you hear that kids? <laughs> tuck, tuck, there tuck, you tuck. go. Yep. Yep. So that way I could, I could have my library and you put in little library cards and all my books. Uh, yeah. So that goes way back. And um, along the lines of the storytelling, uh, one of those routes I ended up in, in addition to trying to write stories, sometimes successfully writing stories uh, was playing role-playing games and, and, having stories through that medium as well. I have been fortunate enough that my daughter has been excited about stories and role-playing games as well. And just as a side note, an incredible storyteller in her own right. I had the absolute privilege and pleasure of having her in one of my storytelling game classes, and she was an absolute, absolute master and just made everybody, we were all dying and deep into it because of all the lovely story hooks she made. Oh, and she loved that class. That was, oh, we got so many tales uh, about the things going on there. Uh, yeah, so say a little bit more about the podcast because you guys oh, have a certainly. podcast together. You tell stories and you talk about how to tell stories using role-playing games with your daughter on your podcast, Almost Bedtime Theater. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, so we were playing those games together. Um, she got inspired to want a podcast. Uh, and so we we tried recording some of our games, some of our stories, and that led us to putting together this podcast. In, and the goal there really was to, in part, um, showcase how these games could be used um, with kids mm -hmm. so that, that any, any grownups or, or anybody really who wants to play with some younger players, whether the younger players are asking you to play and you don't know anything about it, or you you do know how role playing games work, but you're trying to understand how how to portray them for for a younger audience. We wanted to give examples of that. Uh, we wanted to offer advice, and we ultimately ended up um, providing reviews as we started to play games because there are so many options out there for so many different types of stories. Uh, it's uh, it, it can be daunting. <laughs> it's definitely was daunting to us to, to pick <laughs> and choose and find a good one, but there are so many wonderful ones. Uh, so we wanted to to share that. That's such a wonderful, um, I don't know, I, I, I have that, that same reaction. I had two reactions while you were talking. One of them was, yeah, you know, when you talk to people about role-playing games, really you're talking to adults because they somehow forget how to play with kids. Kids already know how to tell stories. It's us, we forget how to do it. And sometimes we forget how to do it with kids. And I always think, yeah, we need to be reminded, you know, like, this is easy. Everybody can do this. All you got to do is sit down together and, and ask some questions about you know, characters in the world 
and you're off and running without even needing any kind of game to structure things. But I also really love that you brought up that there are so many wonderful games out there because I think one cool thing about role-playing games to help people tell stories is that including a bit of you know dice rolling and chance and strategy can kind of allow the, the story to keep its momentum and get you inspired and reinvigorate the experience of telling the story you know, together in a wonderful way that a lot of people aren't familiar with. It can keep you from getting trapped. It can keep you from getting stuck. The rules are kind of there to help you when you get clogged up. At least the best, I think, the best rules are. Oh, absolutely. Yes. And then you, you know, you always get to pick and choose which rules you're actually going to pay attention to anyway. Well, that's, and yeah, you know, that's the other thing is these all all good storytelling games, I think, inspire folks to start tinkering with rules. It's even better than the board game. You know, everybody has those experiences uh, messing with board games when they're a kid. They're like, well, you know what? When you land on my whatever on Monopoly, you instead owe me 10 pushups every time. I'll let you do, I'll let you do 10 pushups instead of paying rent. And then it becomes this whole thing that you have a table rule and, And I think story games are wonderful for that same quality, that invitation to mess with the rules to make the story better and design your own game, which is really wonderful and empowering once you get into it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you guys, how long have you been doing the games, uh, the podcast? And then I know you also have uh, a, a wonderful storytelling game that's just come out that we could talk about. Right. We started playing when she was probably about five, uh, just mm. story games in general, really more than anything, it being a a collaborative story process, uh, yeah. eventually adding uh, some mechanics. Well, let's let's roll a die and see what happens. Uh, yep. you know, getting some math in there. Uh, we had this like six inch um, cube that was covered in duct tape. It was cardboard covered in duct tape. And that was our die. And we had, you know little yellow cardboard pips on it. And uh, awesome. so we would use that. Yeah, it was a, uh, it was a good starter. And then eventually moving into more complex games. Uh, she certainly enjoys games with some crunch to them. And uh, so we found games of some, some serious rule sets and it just kept going from there. And it was, she was, I want to say nine when she decided she wanted a, a podcast uh, she had been listening to a, another uh, podcast where kids were playing D&D. And um, because I was always listening to actual plays and, and role-playing podcasts, and I would tell stories or little funny tidbits. And she would be like, well, can I listen in? And I'd be like, no, <laughs> um, you're getting the sanitized version of this story. Gotcha. And it was very hard to find something uh, that she could listen into. But there was, you know, found a little here, a little there. And yes, that got her inspired. So when she wanted to do a podcast of role-playing games, Mm. it was something where, you know, absolutely going to try to support that. I knew absolutely nothing about making podcasts, but we recorded some of our episodes. And for me, the ulterior motive was getting those episodes recorded because I really wanted those to listen to myself. (laughs) You know, I wanted that, that captured. Yeah, no, as a parent, it's... It's so precious. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, and when she kept being interested and we, we mm-hmm. kept going, that's when I just, it's like, okay, I guess I'm going to learn about sound design and podcasting and, <laughs> you know, 
maybe we need a better microphone than this little one attached to an iPad. That's how we're recording all our sessions. Well, I love that. I don't know. I think that approach to podcasting is the same energy that I, I kind of always hope everyone brings to storytelling. There's this strange thing that seems to happen, and I don't know when it happens to us. I, I can't identify a particular age. I think it's probably different for everyone. But somewhere along the line, a lot of people seem to get convinced that telling stories or making podcasts or making music or you know whatever kind of creative thing that you would like to do is something they can't do themselves. You know, we're so used to consuming stories. You know, what does it mean to be a writer? Well, you have to have a book and it has to be published and then it has to... No, it just means you write things down. You tell stories. You're already a writer. (laughs) Um, You have agency. You could do the thing. So I love that like the games were your avenue into storytelling and then that storytelling was an avenue into podcasting and it's this lovely creative cycle that got you and your daughter telling stories together and creating worlds and creating ideas and even creating games, which is so awesome. I mean, who doesn't want to spend time with their kid making things that they can then treasure forever? Right? Yeah. No, it's been it's been great. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about the game you guys have been making, because you've made a game about one of my favorite things in stories. Um, the in- infinite, library, infinite library, which is the ultimate <laughs> for me. That's that's in every game, every world. I've always got an infinite library. And I love the project. I love what you're doing. Can you tell me a little bit more about it? Absolutely. Uh, so this was something, you know, sometimes uh, when I'm when I'm coming up with games, what I tend to have is a story in my head. It's like this is mm-hmm. these are the building blocks. This is the this is the the tone or this is the theme. This is the feel I want from this story. And then I'm kind of shopping for a rule set to drop it on. Um, very often when it's something that uh, that Rachel and I are going to be playing, and we're, it's just like we want a game that's kind of like you know the Carmen San Diego Netflix series. You know, we, we yes, game, right. Such a good um, series. Right, right. Um, totally, so it's, like, okay, it's amazing. Well, what's something we can drop that into? And I will often default to Sotolitas. It is a, oh. an excellent rule set. It was designed for use in classrooms. Super easy. You can make any type of character. Um, and that's just that's just kind of the first. Let's try it there. <laughs> you know, because chances are we can make it work. Um, when I'm going, sometimes with some other ideas. Um, you know, it's still that shopping around because I don't tend to be one who who builds a rule set at a whole cloth. There are lots mm-hmm. of people making wonderful rule systems out there. I'd rather hack something that already exists. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Feel free to raise your hand. Yeah, absolutely. I, yeah, no, I, I will shamelessly do that. Yes. <laughs> um, and that said, what happened here was I was actually playing a game, uh, Firelights, by RP of uh, of Fari RPGs. It was it was new. It, it, was, uh, it was sitting out there. I'd actually been looking at another of his games, uh, Breathless, thinking maybe that would work for one of these story ideas I have. And I was on his Discord, and he and he, he dropped Firelights, and I was like, okay, I'm going to try this out. Sounds kind of cool. And I played it, and it was it was a lot of fun. And the next day, literally the next day, I was like, I have an idea because I want to play in this space. I want to play with this system. So the system came first. And then I'm thinking about the themes of that system. It's about exploration. It's about finding things. It's, you know, what, what would fit there? And um, so I got to thinking about an infinite library being 
you know, one of my go-tos also shows up often, <laughs> right? And I thought, okay, well, that's that's a wonderful place to be exploring, trying to find documents. Okay, who's trying to find documents? Well, you've got this, uh, maybe a librarian, right? Because there's, there's going to be these librarians in this library. And then it, that immediately became, well, no, no, it's like the apprentice to the librarian. You want somebody who's kind of new to the place, you're learning it with you. And then I just had this vision of like, Kiki from Kiki's Delivery Service, that, yes. that motif, you got kind of the, the witchy thing going on. You've got a familiar, you know, you're going around in this library and it just felt so right. Well, and you have so many different pieces and parts. I'm sorry. I got to jump in and nerd out here a little because first of all, <laughs> anybody out there listening, I, we've mentioned some role-playing games. You don't have to know much. One of the reasons we're excited about mechanics and, and and the idea of how you choose to tell a story with mechanics is they can really shape what you do. So Stories RPG is designed to shape stories to be really about character, right? You can tell a story about any character just by writing sentences about them. And then the roles become this dramatic way to resolve scenes. And you can use drama clocks if you want to ramp up the tension and get you know a bigger scene going. But those mechanics help shape the sort of story that you tell. So no need to worry too much about those, uh, but there are some great games out there and I'm happy to talk more of more about them later if anybody out there would like me to. But I will say this, and RP Deshays and Firelights and Breathless, all great games. Sotolita's great game. Um, if you don't know Kiki's Delivery Service as a reference, you are, you are sorely missing out on one of the best movies ever made. And I'm not going to say best animated movies or best kids movies. It's one of the best movies ever made. And I highly recommend this was the first movie we ever showed my son. He was five years old. He had had no screen. And on his fifth birthday, we watched Kiki's Delivery Service. And then we watched it again because it was so good. Um, So please, if you have a chance, it's about a young witch who has to go out on her own to try to found her own uh, practice, find her own path as a witch. And it's really about growing up. It's about figuring out how to connect with mentors. She meets all these amazing women who become her mentors and kind of help her figure out who she wants to be and how she wants to live her life. And um, it's just amazing. It will make you laugh. It will make you cry. It's wonderful. And as a basis for a storytelling game, oh my gosh, all the feels. Um so yeah, I love the idea of this Kiki-like character having to find their way through an infinite library, which of course is going to have adventure and wonder and maybe even a little risk and danger occasionally. And I've read enough about this game that I'm kind of curious about some of the bits and bits and pieces. There were some mysterious mentions of, of, a, of a script worm and a couple of other different really interesting pieces and parts that I was like, oh man, I got to know about the lore here. So would you be willing to share some secret pieces of lore? Can we ask that? Mayhap. Um, <laughs> not too much. You don't have, you can, hint. You can dance much. around it. Not too much. Yeah. You know, it. that is a great point. Um, there absolutely are elements in the descriptions, in the secrets you can find, uh, in the, the complications you can run into mm-hmm. where I deliberately left it vague. There's, you know, the acolyte, it's an acolyte of the script worm. 
That's all and who, nowhere. And what does that mean? You have to decide for yourself. This uh, is what's so yeah, great yeah. about a good game. Oh, please keep talking. Or, or the keepers of the forbidden or something. You, you, you know, it's, mm-hmm. I was aiming for evocative, you know, something yep. that, that would be a seed that would inspire ideas. And then I'm backing away. Yep. In, in part, because I was trying to fit everything on two trifold brochures and that forces you to be succinct, <laughs> whether you like Absolutely. it or not. Absolutely. You know, I, I also enjoy those 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 challenges of yeah. writing something within limits. And, Absolutely. and what can I do with that? How can I twist it? How can I take advantage of those borders or, yeah. or and and come up with something? Yeah. And the so I have some ideas of what the script worm is. Um, I actually have enough ideas that I'm planning a sequel that is script worm focused. Even within that, though, my intent is to provide multiple opportunities for what the script worm is. I want to. I, so one of the things that's in the Librarian's Apprentice, when it comes to those seeds, uh, to kind of get you started about what is this world, who is this character, is I have a series of truths that you can pick from, and it's it's designed for you to have, there's this question, you know, it's your, something about your background, something about your community, something about the library, it's, excuse me, the library itself. And yeah. each time I give you three options, you could also make up your own version of reality, but there are three options there that you can pick from, and then things can grow from that. And so my intent is, I've, I've got enough ideas that with the script worm, it's going to be, well, pick a truth about the script worm, you know, and these are three different opportunities. And yep. I have to admit that one of the things I particularly enjoy about making role-playing games when it comes to difficulties I have storytelling, writing stories in, in particular, is I will hit those points where I've got too many good ideas and they're mutually exclusive. And I'm, I'm like, I can't just pick you know, this Absolutely. Is just three different stories I want to write. So role-playing games gives me the opportunity to say, okay, here are the building blocks. The story can go anywhere. And I'm just going to back off and let you take it and run with it. <laughs> That's exactly. And so this is one of the things I love about using story games to tell stories, right? Because I think that same thing we were talking about earlier, that idea that at some point we somehow make this decision, I don't know where we get the idea, that we can't just tell stories. A lot of people have the opposite problem. They don't necessarily have too many ideas. They get stuck because they have maybe one idea and they they you know, they might ask a couple follow-up questions, but they they get stumped, right? And they just kind of yeah. stop. And I think one of the brilliant things about a great storytelling game is you get inspiration from both the ideas in the game, right? The, the sort of the background, a little bit of lore to get you started so that it gives you a framework to start building for and around and against and into. And, uh, and then the other piece is, you get that lovely collaborative element, which I think is so wonderful about a great storytelling game of there's some other people at the table to help you make those decisions. And they are going to do and say things and make choices that you as an author never would have. And that will become another source of inspiration. I always say that one of the things I I love about storytelling games is it's telling stories with friends, Um, not for them, but with them. And that's such a wonderful bonding. And, you know, once you've done that with someone, that world is uniquely all of yours, right? It belongs to you in this very genuine way. And it's one of the reasons I think so many people love 
like you were talking about earlier, actual plays, you're you're really getting to sit in on another friend group's wonderful bonding experience as they generate this wonderful world and feeling like you get to be along for the ride. And, you know, apart from making, from having your own role-playing sessions and telling your own stories with story games with your friends, you know, this is the second, second possible best thing you could do. And I feel like the third is making a game for somebody else and then getting to find out they used your rules to do the thing themselves. Right. So, um, if, if you will, I know we've, we've talked about a few things can you tell me one of your favorite little like lore drops or, or mysterious hints apart from the scriptworm, of course, and the accolade of the scriptworm from the, uh, the librarian's apprentice, which is your game, which for everyone out there, it's out there. It's uh, it's being backed now. And if you're interested, you can get a copy. Um, we'll provide the link at the end. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, something that is not in there that uh, was, was a little too, too much to, to figure out how to wedge in was the idea that the um, these keepers of forbidden knowledge, I had this idea that there is a section of the library where there are documents and documents is, is a very loose concept in the infinite library. It's not just books. It's, oh, it's all kinds that. of stuff, but there's this section and it's, it's category, if you will, are books that don't exist. It's specifically books that haven't been written mm. or aren't written. Um, or I should say documents again, yeah. I'll, I'll drop to books, but yeah. these are things that don't exist. And the, the information they contain is stuff that is, it's forbidden knowledge, you know, for whatever it is, it shouldn't be out in the rest of the world. And that leads to the question of forbidden by whom, right? Forbidden because of what? Yeah. I right. That. Right. So this group, what they do is they carefully watch mm-hmm. all of these documents because if a document ever, if any of these documents ever does get written, it's going to vanish from this this pile of documents because it right. can't exist here anymore. So it it disappears. And so if they if they find a, an empty spot, they know that that document now exists in the world somewhere, and they then go out to find it. Oh wow! It so oh, that it comes wow. back to them. And then they have to destroy, of course, every copy of it because right. So that's that was a concept that if it never got written in, I'm like, no, but I want to play that, you know. <laughs> So you can, yeah, take it, run with it. Uh, maybe that's what it is in, in your version of the, the infinite library. Well, my my curiosity there immediately is I want to play a story in which there's an ethical conundrum where the book hunter who's a keeper of forbidden knowledge is realizing that perhaps keeping this knowledge from people who are writing it down is is maybe not fair to the world or to the worlds, or maybe it's not their right, even if it's their duty and asking questions about why I I like that idea a lot. Yeah. I have an infinite library that I'm, I I love the idea of documents, not books. Um, I have a infinite library Mm -hmm. that is an AI in uh, a science fiction game that I run called Luna uni. And that AI, it has, it is a quantum, it's quantum tech. So it has all the books, all the documents that ever have or ever will be written. And, um, and it's considered a deity by, AI, by other AI because code is documents. So it contains all the code of every uh, sentient machine ever. So it's sort of the, you know. Nice. So they, they, yeah, I, I love ideas like that because they expand your idea of what a library is and really good storytelling, right? It all comes down to what's that next question that 
that your last question inspired. And then that takes you to that next moment in the story where you get to explore it. So I love that. Yeah, you know, one one of my favorite role tables in the game is is about figuring out what's what is the method by which information is formatted. You know, what are those documents in the library? Uh, when I wrote it, I started finding combinations that I hadn't even considered, and I, I figure if if the table is surprising me and I wrote all this stuff, you know it, what? Hold on, get it, get it, get some dice. Let's roll. I want to, I want to know. I want to get this is this is where I want to end because I want to have something rolled on one of your tables for inspiring stories. What do I got to roll here? Uh, we just need two d six. Okay, and Let roll me open it twice. Dice box here. <laughs> here we go. I'm gonna I'm gonna try to get my microphone nice down here next to the table so you can hear this thing. Uh, I've got a I've got a five and a two. What do I, what do I, what kind of document am I looking at? Okay. So a five and a two is the size of. And is this a D66 table? Uh, it's a pair of them. So the first half is, is that the information is presented in the size of something. So we need another, another 2D6. Okay, here we go. This time I've got a two and a four. A globe. So the information there, so this is going to be a room then, if I were, if I were exploring this room, it's a, it's a room full of globes and maybe those are maps, maybe they're spherical crystals, maybe it's anything that fits that concept and the differing sizes are giving you information. So maybe, maybe you've got like a, like a little solar system looking setup where there's these globes of different sizes and they're spinning around each other. And that tells you something about what you need to know. Or you can touch them and then you have to, you know, the information is somewhere there in an experience you can only have once you're miniaturized and on this spinning globular document, oh. uh, you know, cause it really is a little universe of go. information. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. Love that. That's awesome. Like, I love the idea that we just created an entire room and you can imagine the story of having to dive into those little globes to find out what's going on. Obviously, you're searching for some sort of information that's hidden. Um, maybe you're there to record what's there. Maybe you're there to hide it. Maybe you're there to get it, get to it before someone else. There's so many possibilities. Um, and gosh, it makes it really does make me want to play your game. Um, I love it. So Tell everybody out there so that they can know um, where to find you, uh, your podcast, and this wonderful game, The Librarian's Apprentice, so they can get out there and start researching their own tomes. Yeah. Well, for now, I would say the one-stop shop to find all of the links is my bio link. Um, you can find that at bio.link slash theater. That will have links to um, everything about The Librarian's Apprentice, the crowdfunder that's going on for uh, at least a couple more weeks, I think, when this episode drops. That's for getting printed copies, if you're interested. Um, there will also be links there to any social media I'm attempting, uh, links to my Itch.io page, where you can find games and other content that we've come up with, as well as uh, links to the podcast so that you can you can catch that. And please do. Um, Rachel's amazing. No offense, Dan, but you know, to me, she's she's the star oh, she of your is. show. She's so yeah. You know, just to be fair. <laughs> so this has been wonderful, and I I'm really looking forward to getting my copy, and uh, and I'm really excited to see uh, what happens next. Thank you so much for coming on here to talk stories and games and and uh, and how to tell them together. 
Thank you. Thank you very much for having me on. This was great. Absolutely. All right, everybody. So that's it for Right Light. This episode was with Dan of Almost Bedtime Theater, and you can find all of his material at the at the links we're going to include with the episode. And as always, you can check out Stories RPG at storiesrpg.com or patreon.com backslash storiesrpg to get all the games that we play on the show and also all sorts of other supplemental lovely bits and bobs. Um, there's also a bunch of classes up there. Summer classes are open and enrolling. So if you'd like to come play and explore some stories along with me, I'd love to have you. Take care, everybody, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.